place it comfortably. So good evening everyone. The title of tonight's talk is Living in the Spacious Mind. And I want to begin by quoting to you from a Tibetan text. And this comes from a book called Toward a Psychology of Awakening, Buddhism, Psychotherapy and the Path of Personal and Spiritual Transformation by John Wellwood, who's one of my, probably my favourite author on the subject. And um, it's a very useful book to read, um, to read the whole book, to give you a quite a clear um, intellectual understanding, at least anyway, of um, Dharma practice in a very, very authentic way, I think, which is true to the tradition and really clear to one to understand as well and very applicable to, to everyday life, not just at an abstract level. But anyway, this, uh, this quote is, one should realise that one does not meditate in order to go deeply into oneself and withdraw from the world. There should be no feeling of striving to reach some exalted or higher state, since this simply produces something conditioned and artificial that will act as an obstruction to the free flow of the mind. The everyday practice is simply to develop a complete awareness and openness to all situations and emotions and to all people experiencing everything totally without mental reservations and blockages so that one never withdraws or centralizes onto oneself. When performing the meditation practice, one should develop the feeling of opening oneself out completely to the whole universe with absolute simplicity and nakedness of mind. That's a great statement. I think a very great statement as to what practice is. And even it comes from a, a different culture like Tibet and from centuries ago, um, it resonates with the themes that we talk about in this session. You know, some of the things I've brought up about um, approaching relationships with a beginner's mind is that open openness to experience. As Joko said, being willing to pay attention to each, each, each uh, experience that we have, whatever it is, is that, that openness that without a blockage towards it, whatever is there. Mm -hmm. And yes, to what we do is when we get caught in the self-centeredness, the experience of self-centeredness, we, we centre, we, we, we sort of coagulate around something within ourselves rather than being this in this spacious, open, experience with the whole of life. And so meditation's kind of like when you're a, a meditator, you're kind of like a researcher or a, or a scientist. You're inquiring into what is the true nature of existence. And, and it's amazing that people across different cultures, different times, different time zones, etc. Everyone seems to come to the same point, you know, the same we read things from so long ago in such a foreign culture and we go, ah, yes, yes, that resonates. Uh -huh. 
like we all, all arrive at the same point if we keep going in that direction and get the same understanding. Now, um, the mind or awareness or conscious experience is in many ways being likened to the experience of space. Mm -hmm. And we talk about spaciousness. You know, when people settle into meditation experience and mature through meditation experience, people often report uh, there's just a sense of spaciousness which is there. Mm -hmm. And so we, we live in, of course, we live in, we, have, we live in lived space. We also live in a psychological space. And we also live in what could be called just the open spaciousness of existence, right? Let's just look at them one by one. But if you just reflect now on what the experience of space is, like we all know what space is. It's like you can't explain it, but we all know what it is, don't we? And you can measure space. Right? And you can measure it in millimetres and centimetres and metres and kilometres. And you can do it like in square metres or you could do cubic metres. Right? There's all different ways of measuring what space is. But we know that's not what space is. Right? That's just a measurement of space. Space is kind of ungraspable, isn't it? But it's there. We know it's there. We move around in it all the time. And so this living space where we know where our body is in space and how, you know, nearness and, and farness of objects and things around us is that kind of space we live in. And when we look at the nature of space, it's both finite and infinite. Not particularly hard to see that. If you think of the universe, like there's the Earth, right? The Earth, the earth is a form within the whole universe, but the, the earth exists in vast space and it's beyond our comprehension what it is, but we know it's there. It's, it's infinite as far as we know because if there's something outside of it, it must be more space, right? So it's hard to get our head around, but it's infinite and yet there is form within space like the earth or the moon. Mm -hmm. So the spaciousness of mind is kind of like that as well. It has no space and yet it has a form. And then we live in psychological space. And psychological space is basically where we, we keep on experiencing the changing, shifting weather patterns of the mind. You know, and using weather as a metaphor is a good metaphor, I think, because sometimes the um, the weather pattern in the mind is sunny, and sometimes it's overcast, and sometimes it's dull, and sometimes it's thunderous with lightning, mm -hmm. and other times it's just calm, or it's dry, or it's wet. Mm -hmm. It has all of these different qualities, and so there's a kind of a psychological space that we can say that we exist in as well. And then you could say what there is is kind of a something just like space includes everything like the earth and the moon and the sun and all the planets. In a sense, there's an there's a experience of being, which is just this sense of vast 
openness and spaciousness. In the same way, call it emptiness. It doesn't matter what, what you call it. But I think sometimes calling it spaciousness rather than emptiness just gives us a better feel of, of what it is. We know what, we know what spaciousness is. Mm-hmm. And so being, you know, space, time, awareness, maybe awareness is just another dimension of existence like space and time is. Mm-hmm. Maybe it actually doesn't just exist up here in the skull, you know. Maybe it's everywhere, who knows. But there is this, this experience we have as meditation deepens of spaciousness occurring in our life. And let me describe to you some of the, um, the characteristics of spaciousness um, or the characteristics of awareness being like open space. Um, it's unobstructed. In other words, it's never limited or confined by the thoughts or feelings rising within it. It's omnipresent. It's always immediately available and extending in all directions. It's impartial, allowing everything to be what it is. It is vast, extending infinitely beyond all the mind's limitations. It's formless, unable to be contained with any conceptual box. It's pure, uncontaminated by anything that arises within it. It is stable, neither arising nor passing away but ever-present ground of all passing experience. It's beyond existence, for it cannot be located in any definite way. It is beyond non-existence, for it is not simply nothing, but rather a clear, bright presence. And it's ungraspable, for it cannot be fixed or held onto in any way. All of those terms could equally apply to describing space as well as describing the spaciousness of mind. Mm-hmm. Now really the Dharma way, the Dharma's psychology of understanding human suffering is that we, even though that spaciousness is there all the time, it's like we don't trust it or we fear it and uh, we feel like we're going to get drowned in it, you know, or it's groundless, we're going to fall fall to the bottom and die and somehow get it get swamped by something um, and so we contract like the that's what the the ego mind is it's a kind of a, a contraction around all this psychological experience right? and a psychophysical tension that contracts around it and we get preoccupied with that we center around it and that's what we think our self is, that somehow we've got to protect. And we don't see that open spaciousness, which is there all the time. Say, it's not really below it, but below it, you know, when you drop down. Mm-hmm. It's also our experience with that open spaciousness is kind of um, ambivalent because we're attracted to it and yet we fear it at the same time. When we when we go out in nature, do you know, and we, we love to go up um, on high mountains and look out of the view, do you know, and see the spaciousness of the view, 
or look up into the heavens and see the spaciousness of the heavens or out to sea. It's like, it's like we're touching base with this longing to experience the spaciousness of our mind, you know, and it kind of resonates with something here. And yet, at the same time, we're attracted to it and yet we fear it at the same time. It's this fear of losing the self that we're grasping onto if we kind of touch base to it and drop into it. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like intimacy. Everyone wants to have intimacy, but everyone's scared of intimacy in some way. It's like we're caught between the two. Like, you know, it's so, the boundaries go down with intimacy. It's so warm and loving and connected. And yet we're fearful of it as well because we might get hurt or we might get rejected, you know. So we have this kind of ambivalent experience to intimacy. And we have that same kind of relationship to the open, spacious mind. It's like we, we want to be intimate with it and yet we're scared at the same time. And as we go along in Dharma practice, we just we have more and more a sense of just free falling through space and time. You know, and, and that fear that something dreadful is going to happen, you know, we're gonna disappear or something and no longer exist or get swamped in some way, you just realise it's that's not the, that's not the nature of it. And paradoxically, paradoxically, even though it's um, open and spacious and empty, it's actually upholding you. Right? Just as the earth floats in space, you know, it's kind of upholding you. So there's different t dimensions to existence. There's space. We know what it is, even though we can't. We can measure it, but we can't grasp it. And the same is also true of time. We know what time is. Right? We know what it is subjectively. But time is not the measurement of clocks. It's not what it is. Time is not even really... You can, we experience night and day, you know, as the Earth spins, you know, around on its, on its axis. We experience night and day. We experience seasons coming and going. We experience that as the earth rotates around the sun, right? So they're all kind of measurements, years, seasons, minutes, seconds, are measurements of time, but they're not time itself. Mm -hmm. And so, like space, it's got this mysterious, infinite quality about it. And we're living in that all the time, and yet we're a, we're a form within it, just like the earth is a form within space. We're a form within that spaciousness all the time. And as the Heart Sutra keeps reminding us every time we recite it, emptiness is form and form is emptiness. That's really the, the, um, the essence of Dharma practice right there. But where psychological suffering occurs is instead of trusting and resting in that open ground of experience uh, and trusting it, we, for instance, we get anxious, like anxiety or stress, you know, is a, a form of dukkha, very common modern day one. And it's like when we get, when we get anxious, it's like we're trying to um, control things, you know, and we, we tighten up with anxiety. And then, and then we're kind of like a ball of tension 
that's trying to stop itself from falling into uncertainty and the unknown. So we keep resisting all the time. And depression or low mood is another common form of, um, of uh, suffering, right? Probably both those things, anxiety, stress and, and, and low mood are exacerbated by COVID as well as people are, are disconnected from one another. Um, but with depression, there's kind of a fear of dropping into meaninglessness. And in a sense, there is meaninglessness there. Like open spaciousness doesn't have any meaning. It's ungraspable. No, it's, not, it's not the same as some intellectual or scientific understanding of life. It's just an experience. But if you touch base with that, you can be very frightened by it if you're not grounded in a practice. But as we know, no, all, of, all of us have got some degree of, of meditation experience behind us. We realise that the more and more we just sit in that open, spacious place, that it's comfortable. You know, it's not, it's not frightening. There's no, there's no fear engaged in it at all. Mm-hmm. So that's what happens. See, some psychological ways of dealing with suffering are about fixing things up or changing things in some kind of way. But really the Dharma way of dealing with suffering is to drop into that open, spacious place and then it just holds everything. It holds the inner psychological landscape of things coming and going. And that it's a kind of an effortless kind of healing that occurs. And that happens. All kind of healing psychologically, um, whether it's through Zen or psychotherapy, whatever, whenever it, it happens, it's because people have a sense of spaciousness around their experience. That's the difference, rather rather than tight. Do you know? I was thinking today when I went for a, a walk through the forest next to my place, and again reminded of people walking around with iPhones all the time. You know, and um, I thought, really, our iPhones, you know, our mobile phones, are really we relate to our mobile phones in the same way that we relate to our ego identity, right? It's like there's this wonderful, spacious blue sky and forest and birds, and people are walking around doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're, it's like they're addicted to it. You know, it's like there's something more interesting in this little box, right, than all of this that's going on around. That's like we are with our ego, like we, when we centre around our ego and get preoccupied. Our mobile phone is an ex, a, a sort of a, a modern-day extension of our egocentricity. Right? And... And, and then people are taking photos with it and they're more preoccupied with the photo, you know, like trying to catch the photo forever of a, a wonderful experience rather than just witnessing it as it is in real present time, you know, and looking at Instagram whether people like me or not, you know, reading emails, you know, like, like just, it's like the monkey mind, you know, that's just surfing from one thing to another with the next stimulating thing that goes or comes up, you know. It really is. When you think about it, it's like that's our ego right there, right in that little that little box. And we and we and when we're so preoccupied with that, um, we just 
we're, we're lost. We, we, we've got no sense of the mysterious spaciousness that is us and surrounds us. Mm-hmm. That's lost all connection. That's exactly what happens when we're caught in the self-centred dream. Mm-hmm. Another way, just to bring it down to earth too, another way of considering how, how the ego is as an experience like I said, it's like it's a psychophysical contraction. It's like a fist. Do you know? It's like when we're when we're stressed, we we tighten our fist. You know, or if we're angry, we make a fist. You know, and because we're so often caught up in fear and worry or anger or complaining or whatever it is, it's like we're going around with our fists clenched all the time. Like that. That's what an ego identity is, and it's very different from. I mean, that is very different from that, isn't it? That open hand. That open hand can do many things. It can shake hands, it can pick something up, scratch your head, you know, it can do all sorts of things. It's very flexible. But all this can do is punch someone or just tighten around itself, uh-huh. the whole body tightening around. So the whole meditative experience by paying attention to everything that arises Yes, we see the, the forms of anger and stress, you know, and anxiety, resentment, disappointment, all those weather patterns going in the mind. But what's really happening is we drop into seeing the spaciousness, right? And that, that shifts everything, that tra- transforms everything. And across different, again, across different cultures, you know, and different religions, you see, see people who've looked deeply into this coming to the same experience. Like in Christianity, the, the name of that book, The Cloud of Unknowing, says it all. Mm-hmm. Different Buddhist countries coming to the same connection. Mm-hmm. So that's what our practice is. Um, that's what, it's kind of psychological in some way, but it's deeper than psychology in that it's connecting us not just to keeping us internalised in working out how we can manage our different emotions. It's actually kind of existential. It's about our whole experience to everything. That's why it's worth going back and, and just repeating again um, after this talk as a way of ending it. That first statement I made from Tibetan Buddhism So that kind of sinks in again because it's really very profound. One should realise that one does not meditate in order to go go deeply into oneself and withdraw from the world. There should be no feeling of striving to reach some exalted or higher state since this simply produces something conditional and artificial that will act as an obstruction to the free flow of the mind. The everyday practice is simply to develop a complete awareness and openness to all situations and emotions and to all people, experiencing everything totally without mental reservations and blockages so that one never withdraws or centralizes onto oneself. When performing the meditation practice, one should develop the feeling 
of opening oneself out completely to the whole universe with absolute simplicity and nakedness of mind. Mm -hmm. In other words, take a step from the top of the 100-foot pole. Thank you, everyone.